So what ingredient are we talking about today? Well, before we get into the ingredient, Emma, I'm going to ask you to choose between these menu items that I came across last night at uh, Chicholina in St Kilda, classic Melbourne restaurant. It's been around for a million years and it hasn't changed at all, and God mm-hmm. bless it. Um, so I'm going to... Uh, I'll just lay some ingredient as some uh, menu items on you. Soft scented chocolate pudding with pouring cream. Okay, that's the first one. Yep. Hazelnut cheesecake parfait, panettone crumbs, berries, and frangelico frangelico syrup. Yep. Uh, passion fruit creme brulee, peach and mint sorbet, and an orange tulle. Yep. Or Fermented sheep's milk infested with penicillin rock 40, a mould found in the soil of French caves, left to rot in a cave until it's riddled with blue mould spores, revolting, uh, resulting in a salty, tart and almost spicy flavour, served on crisp bread with quince. Yeah, I'd probably go the last one, actually. Well, interestingly, I did too. Um, because that's essentially what we're talking about tonight, blue cheese. Um, it, it's off milk, uh, sometimes off sheep's milk, um, dotted with mould and for some reason it's on the same page as dessert at restaurants as it was last night (laughs) but yeah I I ordered it last night and it was kind of amazing Um, maybe because it has one of the highest occurrences of free glutamate in any food uh, which is basically what MSG is emulating. Oh, really? Glutamates are the properties in food that give that amazing mouth-coating mm. umami taste. Uh, and blue cheese has it in spades. So, yes, I ordered the blue cheese last night, uh, a Roquefort cheese from France. And tonight we're going to talk about blue cheese, not just Roquefort. There might be some Gorgonzola in there, maybe mm. some Stilton. Yeah, definitely some Stilton. Uh, we might be talking about... Uh, uh, maybe uh, melted blue cheese we might cover. Okay. All right. These are, these are all things we will talk about on the Blue Cheese episode. So when you ordered that cheese platter with blue cheese on it last night, mm-hmm. did someone say, don't order that, you'll get nightmares? No. Oh, really? really? Every time I order cheese after dinner, someone always says that. Well, I feel like uh, the person I was dining with really has not um, done their duty of care. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it because I feel like it restricts the cheese eating portion of my day and I like that to extend as long as possible so yeah no nobody told me that but I have heard that story yeah well yeah it's based on an old kind of folk tale that if you eat cheese before you go to bed you'll have nightmares um so obviously the cheese industry doesn't want you not working on your night cheese Mm. so in 2005 the British cheese board did a study where participants ate cheese before bed and recorded their dreams the next morning. So the idea was they wanted to debunk the myth that eating cheese before bed causes nightmares. And surprisingly, they found that it didn't cause nightmares, but it actually caused pleasant nighttime fantasies. (laughs) They also said um, that the type of cheese you eat um, caused you to have a different dream, like depending on what cheese you ate. So Blue cheese apparently caused the most trippy and bizarre dreams. Okay. Stuff like they said talking animals, vegetarian crocodiles and warrior kittens specifically. I um, didn't have any of those dreams. <laughs> I feel ripped off. Yeah. So the problem with this study is that there was no placebo. So there was no one eating no cheese and recording their dreams. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't tell if the cheese eaters always had trippy dreams and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep, and no also it was done by the cheese industry, so they obviously <laughs> have their own agenda. Yes. So I set up my own little study this week, which was very highly scientific. Uh-huh. So the first two nights I didn't eat cheese and then the next two nights... That would have been hard for you. <laughs> Were you okay with that? Yeah, I was okay with that. Right. Um, well, this is only half an hour before bed, so I didn't eat cheese half an hour before bed and then the next two nights I ate blue cheese. 
Um, and I set an alarm in my phone for 9.30 called Eat Blue Cheese, so I remembered. <laughs> yes. Um, and the nights where I didn't eat cheese, the only dream I could remember was that I was a chef cooking steak. So that's not bizarre or anything. No. It's just. Um, and then the first night where I ate cheese, I just had a dream that I lost my bike. So that was just stressful and nothing out of the ordinary. Okay. <laughs> and then the second night I ate blue cheese, I actually forgot to eat it and then got up out of bed and ate it and then went back to bed. <laughs> And then I had a dream that I was a guest on Saturday Night Live talking about Ingredipedia, <laughs> which is extremely bizarre because obviously that would that like it's not that format, but um, and obviously uh, and also <laughs> maybe I, this isn't. I don't think Lauren SNL Michaels is, uh, is one of our is one of our regular listeners. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I feel like that was more bizarre than like a talking warrior kitten. Anyway, so maybe blue cheese does give you surreal dreams. Maybe it does. But I, I salute you for eating cheese at night <laughs> in order to uh, take that test for us. Yeah, it was really hard. Uh, em, I'm going to ask you a question. It's a tough one. Do you like cheese? Uh, yeah. Okay, but yeah. Um, how often would you eat cheese? Um, sometimes I eat it for breakfast. I'd say at least once a day. Okay, and how, how often would you eat uh, Roquefort? Uh... Probably not very often because it sounds pretty fancy. Well, maybe you should have a think about eating it more because I have some excellent news about cheese for you. Uh, Roquefort, uh, I, I don't know how to say it now because somebody tweeted me and, and um, told me that I was saying it wrong. Uh, um, now I'm, I'm, I'm all in, in the tears. Roquefort cheese is good for you, according to Cambridge researchers and a reputable newspaper, The Telegraph, out of the UK. Okay, it's not very reputable, but it's a newspaper. Um, so are you familiar with the French paradox? Have you heard that before? No. It's basically the, the principle that um, people who live in France enjoy good health and long life despite eating a diet high in saturated fat. Uh, French women enjoy the joint longest life expectancy in Europe of 85.3 years against 82.3 years for British women. So for a long time, red wine was it was offered up as the explanation. French people drink a lot of red wine. Um, but this study is saying that it may be wine's best friend, cheese, that we have to thank. So the properties of of um, Roquefort, which is aged in caves in the south of France, near Toulouse, um, were found to work in uh, acidic environments of the body, such as the lining of the stomach or the skin surface. So this kind of acidity, um, the, 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 the cheese would kind of work with the acidity in the body. Acidification is also a common process accompanying inflammation, joint, uh, such as in joints affected by arthritis or special plaque on an artery wall. So it was basically had an anti-inflammatory effect on these really crucial parts of the body. Researchers suggested the new properties um, that they found could be extracted from the cheese to help the fight against cardiovascular disease or in anti-aging creams. That's how good this cheese is at, at um, reversing the aging process. So I should rub cheese on my face. Well, you got, you got it wrong with honey. <laughs> Uh, they detailed their work in a study. I really like the name of this um, study. It's called Could Cheese Be the Missing Piece in the French Paradox Puzzle? They paid money for that. They probably get government funding. Uh, yeah, so basically they're saying it's not just red wine alone that could um, explain the paradox and perhaps they should be looking into cheese. We hypothesise that cheese consumption, especially of moulded varieties, may contribute to the occurrence of the French Paradox. They added moulded cheeses, including Roquefort, maybe even more favourable to cardiovascular health. So basically, blue cheese will help you live forever and uh, look awesome, so get it all up <laughs> in your arteries. 
So we're talking blue cheese today on Ingredipedia and we're really, really lucky to have Australia's top cheesemonger join us, Anthony Femia. He's won heaps of awards in the cheese world, including coming fourth in the Cheesemonger World Championships in France a few years ago and being Australia's youngest inductee into a prestigious cheese association in France that I'll butcher the name of if I try. <laughs> and for three years he was the head cheesemonger at Spring Street Grocer in the city and recently he's opened Maker and Munger, an amazing cheese cart inside the Pran market. So welcome, Anthony. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> um, so how many different types of blue cheese are there and what's the difference between them? Ooh. Obviously, we don't know Roquefort. Roquefort. There's probably close to, say, half, uh, probably about 500. Right, <laughs> really? Uh, okay. Some of them have been around. So for... list them all, thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how much time have we got? <laughs> Uh, no, there's an amazing array of blue cheeses from France, England, uh, Italy. Uh, there's one in Switzerland uh, made from Jersey cow milk, which is brand new. Um, right. There's a couple in America, one which won world's best raw milk cheese last year. Uh, the T-shirt that I'm wearing tonight, which is <laughs> ah. Bailey Hazen Blue from Vermont in America. Right. And is that your favourite blue cheese? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> if they are listening there in America, it is um, my favourite blue. Is that a, is that a new Blue. I mean, that, yeah. there's more and more coming onto the market all the time. Yeah, I guess we are. think of them as being from the you know ninth and eleventh century, like gorgonzola and those kind of really yeah, old cheeses. Uh, especially in the new world, uh, especially in America, England, and Australia, there's quite a few new blue cheeses coming about. Uh-huh. Uh, in Australia this year, we had, or last year actually, we saw the launch of the Buffalo Blue from Berries Creek. Uh, there in Gippsland. Right. Uh, he makes an amazing uh, cow's milk blue called Tarwin River and this year he decided to turn his attention to buffalo and, yeah, he's um, receiving really good uh, reviews about the, the flavour of it. Mm. Uh, so what makes a good blue cheese? Is it is it more about the... Is it about the blue or is it about the cheese? Uh, it's about everything of that, yeah. It's the, the balance, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you don't want it to be too spicy. Uh, the Danish blue uh, is notorious for being extremely spicy. Mm-hmm. And that there is for the older older generation who enjoy their, their stronger wines. Uh, they need something strong on the palate. Because uh-huh. uh, as we do get older, we, we can lose up to 40% of our, our flavonoids on our tongue. Uh, so we do need those bigger, bigger flavours. So... There's always a market for that cheese, but I love the balanced ones, things like Stilton, uh, Roquefort, the, the cheese where you get the, the flavour of the milk as well as the flavour of the, the blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're especially uh, Colston Bassett Stilton. Uh, it's one of the only ones left that use hand-ladling techniques and it's uh, matured for 12 weeks rather than the eight uh, before it's been cut open. And when you first have that cheese, uh, when it's first open, I swear it tastes like Vegemite. Mm. <laughs> the, the English say it tastes like Marmite, but, yeah, it does taste like Vegemite. Is, is that kind of the like the glutamate content that we're talking about? Yeah. Because Vegemite's pretty high in glutamate as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the sort of yeasty characteristics, the bacteria that mix with the proteins of the milk and, yeah, what results is pretty much magic on the palate. Mm. And, yeah. um, and you mentioned before that the spice. Yes. That, I, I mean, I, I had a Rockford last night and it was, yeah. it was, it was pretty spicy. Like, yeah. how does... Where does the spice come from? Uh, the spice is, I guess, the, uh, the mould in the blue. Uh, so all blue cheese originally derived from mouldy rye bread um, and most of them now use a uh, penicillin extract of that as well as another penicillin called penicillin glaucum. Mm-hmm. And that's left inside the cheese to, to harvest for a couple of weeks before the, the cheese is spiked. Uh, most will use a um, 
metallic spikes, some still use wooden, uh, depending how old they are. And that aeration of the cheese, the oxidisation, is what causes the blue mould. And you can control that by covering the cheese with foil or allowing the, the rind to develop. Uh, the, the longer it's opened and exposed to the elements, the, the, the stronger the blue mould grows. And uh, that's where the spice comes from. On our palates, we, we identify it as salt uh, because we don't have that uh, part of our tongue that, that initiates it as or identifies it as blue mould. So a lot of people, when they first have blue, think it's salty, but it's, it's not. It's that incredible spice of the the blue mold there and it just lingers like Rockford especially it just melts on the palate the, the cheese because mm. the high fat content of the sheep's milk and you're just left with that, in, that incredible yeah blue you're getting all you're getting all like you get <laughs> oh, the far away look in your eye yeah <laughs> <laughs> I read about an experiment that I was going to do for the show where you get a piece of rye bread and let it go mouldy and then kind of make your own cheese mm-hmm. but it seemed really hard <laughs> yeah hard hard and risky yeah okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah the the Rockford producers uh, especially Carl's Rockford and Papiano are, are two people who still or two producers who still use the rye bread uh, yeah they it's quite interesting they leave it in the the caves uh, during the month of September uh, during the full moon of the the mushroom and apparently that's extra symbolic to uh, help the mould develop and then they use that for the rest of the year to develop their their blue mould and the cheeses and you can visit Rockfort, the town Uh, it's like a ghost town essentially Uh, but it's underneath the town which is where all the fun is like all these (laughs) incredible limestone caves and yeah, it's, it's, I guess, the holy grail for cheese people uh, to visit. Uh, yeah. That and up in the mountains to have uh, raclette or fondue. So, yeah. um, Anthony, um, who, who was crazy enough to go, oh, hey, this cheese is really blue uh, and we've left it in a cave and let, let's just eat it anyway and find it's, it's delicious? Like, where, where did this come from? Well, it's a debate that's still raging today between the Italians and the French. Uh, the... It both came about by accident, um, but I guess it's who you believe or which, which country you love more. Uh, the, the French believe that it was a shepherd um, in the Rockford area uh, who was in, eating a, just a plain white cheese, rye bread and a glass of wine for lunch, and he was just taking a break from attending to his sheep when a very attractive young lady walked past, and that distracted him for, say, a couple of weeks. <laughs> and from there, uh, not wanting to feel the wrath of his owner, because uh, back then they didn't throw out uh, food, he went back to the cave that he was sitting at and he didn't know it was a limestone cave but it just happened to be a limestone cave and he saw the wine had gone yeah, had gone off the bread had gone mouldy uh, but the cheese had gone mouldy too and he scraped back the surface and tasted the interior and that's how the French believe Rockfort came about the Italians believe it was one of them because they're the only ones who can look at a girl for a couple of weeks and then, uh, <laughs> then accidentally lose interest. But their story goes, a uh, cheesemonger or cheesemaker was making a, a batch of cheese and he left it overnight because, uh, once again, a young lady walked past his window mm-hmm. and came back to mould on the surface, scraped back the mould and ate the interior. So they're both, I guess, romantic stories. Uh, you'll find a lot of cheeses have their romantic stories, like Mimolette, for example. Uh, it's a bowling ball shape. Uh, it was said that Napoleon ran out of cannonballs on one of his ships uh, during his uh, exhibitions to Egypt, so he used Mimolette uh, and fired that out of the cannon. So whatever helps sell the cheese and promote the cheese, I guess, but the French story does have some truth uh, to it there. So, hmm. And from there it's just been developed further uh, with some amazing blues out there. And so do you always just eat blue cheese by itself to like, because you're like... 
really into cheese or do you pair it with stuff as well? Uh, pair it with some interesting things. Like yeah. You never have blue cheese on its own at a party. Um, <laughs> it's just like garlic. So if you're intending on speaking close to somebody or exchanging kisses, uh, you wouldn't eat blue cheese. Um, but what I love pairing with blue is uh, sweet things. Um, the general rule of thumb with pairing cheese uh, with accompaniments is you want uh, things to match on the tongue. So if it's a savoury flavour or close to the sides where you experience salt, you want something to match with blue it's the exact opposite you want to contrast so with that spice of blue there's nothing better than sweet products so honeycomb like natural honeycomb not the Toblerone violet crumble that's it Um, yeah so natural honeycomb um, strawberries pears figs in season now they're absolutely amazing with blue cheese Mm. you can even like what I love doing is cutting the figs in half putting a little bit of blue cheese on top putting a little bit of honeycomb wrapping it in prosciutto putting it under the grill for about 15 minutes Really? for about wow. 150 degrees and that's stunning. Oh, there you I go. Look at that. similar dish <laughs> ready to unveil. <laughs> nice one. I, I didn't spoil it, did I? <laughs> no, you made it sound better than what I did. God damn it. And that, um, <laughs> and that extends to the wine pairings too because it's, it's super important to get it right. Like... I'm not a dictator when it comes to matching cheeses. Like if a customer comes up and, and asks for a recommendation, I'll, I'll suggest something. But when it comes to blue cheese, I insist and I, I will put the foot <laughs> down and get up on the soapbox and, and say to them, you need something sweet. So if it's a really spicy blue but still creamy like the Roquefort, uh, you want something botrytis affected. So say the Sauternes of France, which is a classic pairing, the terroir pairing, or say Noble One, uh, from here in Victoria. Yeah. Um, if it's a heavy blue like Stilton or, say, the Australian blues uh, from King Island, uh, you want something fortified. So anything from the Rutherglen, say Ports, uh, Tokay. I mean, we've got the oldest vines up there, so we should be drinking that locally. Sounds mm. really good. Um, I have a question about when you were the head cheesemonger at Spring Street Grocer. Yeah. Did you have anything to do with the cheese-flavoured ice creams that they used to have? <laughs> I had everything to do with that. Actually, the, the gelato maker Massimo still doesn't talk to me this day after we, we made the Gorgonzola one. Um, uh, I've got a ripper photo of that, actually. I wish we could show that through the, the radio. Uh, we made a Gorgonzola one. It was our first ever importation of cheese, and we, we air-freighted uh, Gorgonzola Picante from, um, uh, from Lombardy, uh, Italy where it's made and I was so excited and we hadn't opened the cheese shop then it was the only the only thing that was open was a gelato bar so I wanted to showcase it and <laughs> uh, he's uh, what is he vegetarian so he doesn't eat cheese um and he agreed to make it um, on the provision that they only put so much of it in there. So they put, I think, about a kilo of blue cheese to make an eight-kilo batch of gelato, and they went for a cigarette, of course. Being Italians, they need a break every ten minutes. Sorry, guys, <laughs> uh, if you're listening. Um, so while they were away, I tasted the, the batch and could barely taste the blue. Oh, no. So I got carried away and put an extra four kilos in, <laughs> got the thermomix out, oh, not the thermomix, the, the blender, whipped it up so they wouldn't know. They made the gelato, and he reckons three years later he can still taste blue <laughs> cheese in every gelato he makes. Uh, it was so rich and so flavorsome. It was like frozen blue. Uh, but he, the texture, it was perfect. So uh, the old pastry chefs in the European uh, made some... I think some fig jam and we put it on as a special in Siglo bar for all the cigar smokers up there. Mm. Sounds really, really good. I'm going to petition for them to do that again. Yeah, we we always debate. Even after I left, I said to him, come on, in my memory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Anthony Femia, thanks so much for coming in uh, this evening on Ingridopedia.
Now, I don't like to talk about this too much because it pains me, but um, I do have a pretty crap sense of smell. The three things I can smell really well are citrus fruits, petrol and coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything else is kind of a little bit hard to detect, so I can't really smell flowers or perfume that well. Like It has to be really, really strong for me to smell it. So I feel like maybe I've found the perfect perfume for me in my research for Ingredipedia this week. It's a perfume called Eau de Stilton, (laughs) and it was created um, by the same company that makes Stilton um, a type of blue cheese um, in the UK. And the perfume makers say that the blue cheese perfume, quote, creates the earthy and fruity, uh, recreates the earthy and fruity aroma of the pungent blue cheese in an eminently wearable perfume. <laughs> <laughs> and from, I, I, I'm, I'm just having trouble with pungent and wearable next to each other yeah. in the same sentence. Um, well, from a perfume point of view, the actual notes are yarrow, angelica seed, clary sage and valerian um which i'm not sure what any of those things are so let's just call it what it is blue cheese <laughs> and it's not just a uh, women's fragrance it's for men too you you'll be pleased to know ben thank you <laughs> um i couldn't try it but i did read the comments from people who had um on a perfume site called now smell this anonymous posted good grief i adore blue cheese of any sort including stilton but i can't imagine wearing it it doesn't smell earthy and fruity it smells like feet if we don't take care to wipe down our baby daughter's neck between feedings milk collects there and ends up smelling the exact same way they should make a scent called baby neck cheese (laughs) so that's a ringing anonymous endorsement and um because i couldn't get my hands on the perfume i did um rub pieces of blue cheese on my neck and wrist <laughs> before work every day. I'm just kidding, I didn't uh, do oh, that. Oh, good, good. Okay, you still have a job then. That's good to know. <laughs> but I would, just so you know, I would. I'm <laughs> looking forward to um, spending the next half hour in a very small, confined space with you, Emily. Thank you. Um, blue cheese is a vers- versatile food. You just talked about blue cheese perfume. Um it can be served on a cheese platter, as I had it last night. It can be turned into a delicious souffle. It can be turned into gelati, as Anthony spoke about earlier. Uh, it can be added to a salad for some creaminess and, and bite. These are all kind of quite highbrow things to do with it. In the US, that um, seems to be kind of far less refined. Like it's not, a, it's not such a highbrow dish there. You'll find it in um, blue cheese dressing, which is a common accompaniment to buffalo wings, which aren't from a buffalo. They're chicken wings from the place called Buffalo. Um, so you're most likely to be eating blue cheese while you watch the Buffalo Bills play the Cincinnati Bengals in uh, in the States. Um, so they, they kind of, you know, they've got blue, blue cheese dressing, blue cheese dip. You can buy blue cheese chips. And now you can get blue cheese lollipops. Um, so there's a company called Lollifile and they're out of San Francisco. And their, their mission is, now they say, we believe that candy can be every bit as much a gastronomical adventure as a fancy dinner. And we want to see just how far we can go. Uh, we want you to remember exactly why you threw fits when your parents wouldn't buy you candy. And then we'd like to gently remind you that you're perfectly able to buy your own candy now. <laughs> um, so they make lollipops in flavours like uh, sriracha bacon, a stout, uh, breast milk. That's a joke. No, that's on their website. I don't know. Okay. That's the whole thing might be a joke. Uh, and blue cheese. So... Um, whether they're meant to be enjoyed or they're just sort of trolling the internet to try and get people to talk about them on p- 
podcasts and radio shows. Uh, it's hard to say. But um, I do have a bit of a road test of the blue cheese lollipops. This is from um, a, a UK YouTube channel that uh, that they review things it's called where's my challenge and this is a uh, this is the guys when they've just uh, tasted the blue cheese lollipops that's proper that's proper bad <laughs> yeah Going green, mayo. Those are making love to it. I think I couldn't bite. Uh, I'm really bad. Uh, right. Okay, go on, break in. It doesn't taste that bad, but like when you it, when you smell your own breath. Oh yeah. It's the smell. Purely because it stinks and it's making me feel sick. <laughs> I'd probably want to give it like a two, but it doesn't taste that bad, so I'm gonna give it a four. Did they just put blue cheese on a stick? No, it's 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 a genuine lollipop. Oh, it right. looks like a lollipop. Um, so whether or not that's the, the best way to eat it. Um, so, you know, blue cheese, acceptable in, in chip form, uh, acceptable with, with chicken wings, I'd say. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, acceptable as lollipop. In- we should import it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> conclusive, good. So my favourite recipe in the whole world has blue cheese in it. Uh-huh. Um, it's one of only three ingredients and um, it really is my favourite thing in the whole world. So I'm going to give you the recipe now as my third fact. Okay. It's not really a recipe, it's more like assembly instructions, but still, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay. So it's nectarines stuffed with blue cheese and then wrapped in prosciutto, then cooked in the oven for about 15 minutes. Uh-huh. That's all you do. So obviously there are similar recipes out there using figs and stuff, um, which might be better, but I prefer the nectarine version, which my mum claims to have made up because she forgot to buy figs or something. I don't know how it happened, but yeah. You know, it's a little Mandy Naismith's claim to fame, so there you go. <laughs> um, it really is truly magical. And the key is you ha- you can't eat them straight out of the oven because, like, the nectarine juice is really molten and you have to wait for it to cool down. But they're really, really great straight out of the oven. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> I haven't made them. Wow, okay. I made them last night. But they're obviously not straight out of the oven. They've been in the fridge at work all day. They've been on multiple bike trips in my basket so they're really really not the same but um but let's eat them anyway let's look past them they're maybe a bit sweaty (laughs) (laughs) cheese sweat's good for you and can can we share them? We do have expert cheesemonger. I'm really scared Anthony to share them with Anthony. Look, in, it's, it's in the no studio blue with cheese this. from America. <laughs> well, right. it might be, but it's also from supermarket. Do you know which which blue cheese is in these? And also, no. are, there, are there napkins? No. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> good to know. Um, oh, they have an amazing aroma. <laughs> they do. They do. I can't smell it. <laughs> they're qu- they're quite um, strong. Okay. okay. So my mum usually makes them on Christmas and I stand in the kitchen and scoff half the tray before handing them around to anywhere else. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're a commitment. Well, the prosciutto is supposed to be crispy, but obviously it goes a bit uncrispy in the 24 hours after I cook them. Yeah. No, <laughs> but the really... taste might be the same, like the flavours. Mm. Flavours are amazing. Yeah, it really blends well on the palate. Mm. Yeah, you get all the different <laughs> textures. You get the sponginess of the fruit. The creaminess of the cheese and then, yeah. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> I'm going to become a chef. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess it's good to make 
while nectarines are in season. Mm. I guess it's like a good entree or like dish to like have as a starter or like to hand around it as a party. But I don't see why it can't be a meal in itself. Like line up eight of these and then knock them back, and that's like more than your daily fruit intake. <laughs> <laughs> and and probably about eighteen times <laughs> your your recommended daily cheese intake as well. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. Um, thank you for... Sh- Do they have a name, Em? No, no. Can we give them a name? Um. <laughs> blue cheese bombs. Yeah, could call them soggy bottom blues. <laughs> soggy bottom blues. It's, sometimes it's handy to have a, a cheesemonger in the, in the studio with you. Okay, soggy bottom blues, done. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Gorgonzola. And while we have an expert here... Um, Maybe we can talk a little bit a bit about gorgonzola, Anthony. Um, it's a type of blue cheese from the north of Italy, yes. um, around Milan and Piedmonti and that kind of area. Yes. Um, it's made of cow's milk and cultured with Penicillium glaucum. Glaucum. Yep. So it's slightly different from the Roqueforti type. Yeah. Um, and so this is one where they, during the aging process, metal rods are kind of quickly inserted and removed for that air channel. Yep. So uh, that, that allows the mould spores to grow um, and give the cheese characteristic veining. Um, Gorgonzola is typically aged for three to four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, Wikipedia hasn't lied so far. <laughs> yeah. um, it's one of the cheeses that enjoys protected status as well. So you can't call cheese not made in the north of Italy a gorgonzola. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much loved on pizza, on short pastas stirred through risotto or, risotto or polenta in, in Italy. It's a big, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a big business in Italy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's a tradition in Milan to have it served over polenta and mushrooms. Mm. Um, and there's two different types of um, gorgonzola there. Uh, there's gorgonzola dolce, which is matured for about a month. Yep. And they traditionally serve it with a spoon so you can walk into a shop they have the top cut off this 12 kilo barrel of cheese and they just serve it with a spoon and the gorgonzola picante is usually the one yeah matured for four four months and that's super spicy mm. uh, there, so. well it's very popular in in italy but as popular as it is it still needs advertising apparently uh and what better way to advertise in italy than with a, a busty lady now i've got i've got a Got a TV ad here from Italy. I, you guys can see it. I'll, I'll play it so the people at home playing along can hear it. Um, and I'll just sort of describe the action a little bit. So, <laughs> so she's in a low cut dress. She's got some celery. Adesso sì, che un grande gnocco. Quando lo mangio, sento certi fermenti. Vivi. In a, a dizzying array. So that's that's the ad. Um, it is, I guess, you, you would say, it probably wouldn't pass advertising standards no. in Australia. Oh, yeah. It's um, the the. Um, the her outfits are very low cut, and she's suggestively eating the cheese now. Um, Luckily, I mean, I don't speak Italian beyond Dario e Sempre in Ritardo. Um, so I got in touch with someone who does, my best friend from primary school, Ange, um, and he has translated the ad for me. There's actually a series of ads cut together. Um, so uh, this is what the uh, young lady's saying. Have you ever tried it with pears? She's saying that first. And with beautiful celery? And then she says, when I eat it, I feel a certain... Fermenti, see, which Ange then says, and this is verbatim when he said, this may be a colloquial expression I'm not familiar with. Fermenti means ferments, yeasts, or also, or also agitation. 
Uh, and then he says, now, uh, she says, now it's a, or you are, a great big gnocchi. And he says there, I think they're playing with the language here a bit. <laughs> Gnocco is the singular masculine of the food and that is what she has on the fork. But gnocca, singular feminine, is the most insulting word you can say to a woman in Italy. <laughs> Although males would think it's a compliment. It's somewhere between the C word and compliments on their bed skills. <laughs> and she finishes it up with, with him, it's never the same pizza. With him, it's never the same pizza. I'll never look at Gorgonzolo the same again. Before we go, we should recap the uh, the food facts that we spoke about this evening, the blue cheese facts. Emily? Yeah, so my first fact was about cheese dreams. My first fact was about the health effects of Rockford. Mm. And then I spoke about Eau de Stilton, the blue cheese perfume. And then uh, I talked about blue cheese lollipops. <laughs> and my last fact was um, my favourite recipe in the world, the... Uh, what was it called? Soggy Bottom, bottom Blues. <laughs> Mandy Naismith's recipe. <laughs> and uh, my last fact was uh, the uh, ad- Italian Advertising Standards Board um, being quite lax and playing uh, some a translation of some Gorgonzola advertising from Italy. So it's the moment of truth. We've got Anthony Femia here from uh, Maker & Munger, an uh, expert cheesemonger. We have been talking about blue cheese wouldn't be right for us not to ask you who do you think has won this evening out of this competition of, of facts uh the health benefits uh we, we caught too much of a bad spray about cholesterol and the paleo and you know cheese being bad for you so yeah. the health benefits so you like the fact that that it's cheese is behind the, good the, the yeah. uh the french paradox that they live the longest Definitely. Wow, every time I cook something for a guest, they don't vote for me. That's yeah, fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, if you do want to have a say about who uh, y- your favourite was this evening, me or Emily, you can uh, look us up on Instagram at Ingridopedia. Thank you for listening.